Welcome to Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. Thank you for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted, where biblical truths are shared. My goal is to uplift and challenge you today to find a place for dyslexia in your life and let Christ take center stage of your life. Oh, one more thing. I want you to know you are the most courageous person I know, even though we have never met. Our journey informs me that you are indeed courageous. You're gifted, you're smart, funny, and kind. So please pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and be blessed. Today we're going to be talking about Ezekiel. Now the principle that we're going to be referring to for this book is that God is sovereign. Now, the book of Ezekiel opens up with some very interesting scenes, and some say are very confusing. But before we get started, who was Ezekiel? He was a priest, later to be called a prophet, and he was transported with the Jews to Babylon. The writings and the information we receive from Ezekiel is when he was in Babylon. Now, he's around the age of 30. And he has this vision on the bank of a river, really about five years into his captivity in Babylon. Now, as with many of the major prophets in the Bible, Jesus gave his servant a revelation of his glory, his character, his power, and his sovereignty before he started his public ministry. That is something that God often does. And the reason he does that is to give us a sense of his wonder, his majesty, his power, his authority. So that when times get hard, when things are not going well, when we are prone to believe that we've made a mistake, we will always be able to reflect back on the time in which God showed himself to us. Now, after careful examination of these scenes in chapters 1 and 2, one must appreciate such a God whom we serve who would demonstrate his love and care for his people in such a way. Now, we're talking about a rebellious people, and we're talking about a God who cares enough to show his people their true conditions before him, yet show them his love as well. And he further goes on to show the children of Israel through the various prophets, such as Ezekiel, the impact that their rebellion has on the people. I mean, social justice or injustice was rampant. Now, the impact it has had on past and future generations is profound. Now, a God who reaches out continually and redeems and restores, that's who we're talking about today. Now, I learned from just reading and studying chapters 1, 2, and 3 that God is guiding, controlling, and directing the affairs of heaven. And this is the scene that seems so confusing in chapters 1 and 2, but it's really not. What we see is the Lord coming near to his people, and he's sitting high on his throne. And he is guiding, and he's controlling, and he is directing the affairs of heaven and earth. Embracing this truth was essential for my restoration. Then I started reading various scriptures that spoke of God's sovereignty, and this was important for me. One of my favorite descriptions of God's sovereignty is from the writings of David. 
What does David say about God's sovereignty, about his creative power? By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as in heap. He lays the depth in storehouses. David goes on to say, Let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done, and he commanded, and it stood fast. Psalms 33. You know, I intentionally allow these types of scriptures to wash over me daily, reminding me the sovereignty of God, reminding me the character of God, reminding me who he is, what he can do, and his authority in my life. Now, I seek to also incorporate these types of scriptures and I turned them into prayers. And then I will rehearse them when times got hard and when I became overwhelmed, reminding me of who he is. Now, King David understood this well, because we see them in his writings. One of the things David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here David is rehearsing in his mind while he's running from King Saul, the goodness of God. He's reminding himself just how good God is. He's not dwelling on what the enemy is doing, that he has been pursued by his father-in-law, not just to take him captive, but to kill him. So David is constantly relying on, rehearsing in his mind, the sovereignty of God. This is the principle that we're talking about today. We serve a sovereign God who knows everything, who's everywhere, who is creator, who is all powerful. He is absolute power. He is the one that we serve. Now, God is never out of step with his plan to save us, even when we take detours along the way. Now, he rules in the affairs of us all, and because he sees and knows the beginning from the end, he is able to orchestrate things such that if we trust him, he will bring us back on track, even when we're not sure where we stepped off. Now, let's talk about this vision again, or some more, that we read in chapter 1. What is Ezekiel seeing, and why does God show him this vision? Now, Ezekiel sees God sitting on his throne, and he knows the hand of God is with him. Ezekiel sees the word of God in a physical manifestation, which signifies to him the glory of God. Now, why is Ezekiel allowed to see God high and lifted up this way? Because Ezekiel is in Babylon, and he's in despair. He's not feeling really good about what's going on. He cries out to the Lord, and the Lord shows him his character. And that's what I like about God. Oftentimes when we cry out to him and we are asking and looking for a certain answer from him, he often does this. He shows us his character before he shows us his hand. Because he wants us to understand that this tangible thing that we want, he has no problem giving it to us if it's his will. But what he is always and foremost after is our heart. And he will soon see you without that thing. 
than to lose your heart. Now, like the prophet Isaiah, Ezekiel is given the privilege of warning and sending corrections and sending hope and sending messages of God's loving care to this rebellious people. Now that they are in Babylon, he's still warning them. Why? Because Ezekiel and Jeremiah, who is still in Jerusalem, they are communicating with each other. Jeremiah is writing to Ezekiel so that Ezekiel can share these letters with the children in Babylon about what's going on in Jerusalem. And Ezekiel is sending letters to Jeremiah, let him him know what's going on in Babylon. So there's this correspondence between the two. But here's the thing. The same thing the Lord told Isaiah, he told Ezekiel. No one will listen to you. Now, this has got to be discouraging. Why would you call me to do a work and you know that it's not going to be profitable, right? But the record must bear that we are warned, that we're warned again, and that we're warned again. So then when the Lord makes his final decision, we have nothing to stand on. We have to acknowledge our guilt. We have to acknowledge that we didn't listen to the Lord. Now in chapters 8 through 11, Ezekiel is in Babylon, but he takes him on a tour in Jerusalem. And what does he see? And why the temple? Because the people are refusing They're refusing to give up the gods of wood and stone. They're refusing to give up the gods who they made with their hands. And so he takes Ezekiel on this tour to show them that. In chapter 11, we find that God leaves Jerusalem and he goes into exile with his people. You know, oftentimes when we're going through a lot of stuff, We accuse God of not being with us. We accuse him of forsaking us. We accuse him of abandoning us. When he's there right in the midst of it with us, remember when the three Hebrew boys was cast into the fire? Where did we find Jesus? We found him in the fire. When Daniel went to the lion's den, where do we find God? In the den with Daniel. That's the only reason that Daniel made it out alive. When David is in the wilderness running from Saul, where do we find Jesus? With David. At no time are we abandoned by God. This is so critical that we get, because we like to think that when things are not going well, because we're under the impression if God is with us, then nothing can go wrong. Think again. I mean, keep in mind the life of Christ. God never left Christ until he was dying on that cross. And then that's why Jesus cried out, Why have you forsaken me? When he walked through Jerusalem, when he walked and did ministry, God was always with him. And truly, even on the cross, he wasn't left alone. He just felt that way. So what is the Lord promising the children of Israel that they return He's promising them transformation. He's promising them to heal and restore and redeem if they would but return to him. So what we find out in chapters 12 through 24, you see a bunch of parables and poems reminding 
the children of Israel that it is too late, that you waited too long to repent. You are going to go to Babylon. And at this time, a lot of them are in Babylon, in exile, but there's more to come. And then when you go through chapters 25 to 32, these are prophecies against other nations that the Lord is holding accountable for their acts. And then you have chapter 33, where we see the city, the temple is destroyed. And in chapters 34 and through 48, as always, the Lord always gives us hope. He talks about the promises he's made David. And he is so longing to restore those promises, to keep his promises. But we must return to him. Now, one of my favorite chapters in Ezekiel is 37, where it talks about the valley of the dry bones. This picture so depicts the spiritual condition of Israel as if they are dead yet alive. And so you see Jesus telling Ezekiel, asking him a very important question. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel's response was, Only you know, Lord. And so here we find the Lord telling us what he wants to do, what he's going to do if he is allowed. And that is to awaken us from our spiritual death, to breathe life into us, to redeem us, to restore us, to oneness, to wholeness, to him again, if we but would allow him to do that. And then you have chapters 40 through 48, where we see the Lord returning to his temple. Remember back in the earliest chapters, I think it was 8 through 10, we see the Lord leaving the temple of Jerusalem, letting the people know, you have refused me, then I will leave. In chapters 40 to 48, he is coming back to the temple. And then we read in the New Testament where Paul reminds us that we are the temple of God. And this also tells us that if we continue to refuse God, he will have to leave. He is a gentleman and he will not stay where he is not wanted. However, what's beautiful about the Lord and his mercy, at any time we make a decision to turn back to him he will come back into our hearts. This is so beautiful about the Lord. Now, what is this message for us as people, as adults with dyslexia? It's a message of hope. It's a message of redemption. It's a message that God is still sovereign. Yes, he has allowed us to have dyslexia, but that does not in any way change who he is. God has been with us. He has not left us. He's ready always to restore, heal, and redeem us. You know, he sees our true condition. He sees our past. He sees our future. He sees us right now. He sees the hurt places. He knows where we have been wounded. He knows how difficult it has been. But keep in mind, he has not left us. He knows the whys. He knows the how. He knows the choices that we have made. Yet he remains faithful to us even though at times we have not been faithful to him. He stands ready to forgive, and he stands ready to heal. This is the message that he gave Ezekiel to the children of Israel, those who were in Jerusalem and those who were in Babylon. And he gives us that same message today. 
You know, dyslexia may never go away, but neither does God. Look and live. See him high and lifted up as Ezekiel did that day. See him in all of his glory. Choose him again and again until he is truly bigger than dyslexia, bigger than the past, bigger than the present, and bigger than your future. Why? Because God will always be sovereign. Thank you for listening to another episode from Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. If you know an adult with dyslexia, please share these short devotionals with them. For more devotionals, please visit my website at www.wrpublication.com where you can read or listen to archive shows. Thank you again for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted and be blessed.